Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. So good morning, Horizon and friends who are, who are watching. I know I'm traveling today to Lodi, so if you're a timekeeper, I'm going to have to stay on time today. So that's like that keeps me focused. But uh, today is officially my last sermon as a staff member of Horizon. And uh, uh, 24 years. And um, I, 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 uh, Tim and I were talking this morning, and, and I said, you know, it's like sports. I'm going to be dropping down to fourth string, right? Um, come in and speak. And, and he kindly said, no, you're being inducted in the Hall of Fame. So you'll be back to speak at some point for Horizon. So I'm excited to hear that. Um, yeah, guest speaker, that's right. Uh, well, today I want to give you a, a bit of an overview of some of my experiences with trust falls uh, over the years. And so I kind of want to give you a bit of a snapshot of my new plan for the second half of my ministry. I know I've talked to a few of you and asking, what are you doing? And I hope to share that with you. In addition, I want to share some very important verses that I've tried to anchor to and failed miserably with over the years and just ones. For those Bible geeks, you're like, well, you missed this verse and you missed that verse. Uh, these are just the, the ones that jump out at me today, okay? Um, title of the message is Trusting the Clock and the Compass. And as I think about Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day to all of you here today. I don't know about you, I think mothers are experts of understanding the clock and the compass more than anybody else here in this room, and, and you'll understand that in a moment. Yeah, a few claps, yes, but uh, um, they're so humble they don't want to. Uh, but you know, it's interesting, I have a visual here today, I do have a, a compass here, and uh, be strong and courageous for the Lord that God will be with you wherever you go. But then I've got Ken Parkinson's clock. He made me a pretty cool clock here. And uh, it actually has a verse I'm going to refer to in a moment, uh, my, one of my life verses. But uh, it was 23 years ago that uh, Tim and I went to our first conference. And you'll see a picture here in a moment. Um, that is John Maxwell. And uh, we literally went up after the, and we've referred to this before, and we said, can we lift you up so we can lift you up in prayer? And he let us do it. He had a big smile on his face, and we have that in our office. But he talked about the clock and the compass, and I want to read a bit of what he wrote in this article that you might resonate with here today. It says, um, he talked about just the clock and the compass, and it says, time waits for no one. We need to be conscious of the clock or we'll never make any progress toward our goals. True success comes from significance, doing things that matter, things that last after we're gone. How do we know if what we're doing really makes a difference? We can't just look at the clock. We need to be conscious of our compass. The first half of life is consumed by the clock. We're impatient, eager to get started with life. And later, as we start achieving goals, we're still watching the clock. We want to measure how much we're accomplishing. But usually sometime in our 40s, we become aware of the compass. We begin to wonder why we're doing what we're doing. 
We question the value of what we've achieved. We examine whether we're fulfilled. And then we worry that we're not making a difference in this world. As we get older, we start trying to achieve balance between the clock and the compass. We become conscious of the question. What can I, what can I do that will make the most difference in the time that I have? So we start talking about leaving a legacy. John Maxwell continues, no matter what age we are, we all need to seek a balance between the clock and the compass. The clock is always ticking in this life. Time passes and we either take advantage of opportunities or we miss them. The compass is what we steer life by. It remains constant and we're wise when we align ourselves with the direction we know we should be going. Just lining up with the compass doesn't get us anywhere if we don't start moving. And I love this last part. He says, the clock equals daily things, what we're doing. The compass equals destiny things, where we're going. The clock deals with appointments and activities. The compass points toward vision, values, and mission. I love this metaphor, this story. I resonate with it greatly. And even though there are multiple directions on a compass, it always points north. And the Bible, as we know, if you're a follower of Christ, wherever you're at, um, the Bible, many theologians write about the Bible and have different views here, they're different here, but the Bible, as you understand it and you go deep with it, is our compass for life. It always points in one direction. And so together, the clock and the compass provide a path, direction, purpose, mission fields, motivation. And in my present season, I call it realignment. Uh, and it has mixed emotions, feelings, thoughts, and some challenging but faith-building trust falls. Because trust and faith go together, don't they? Um, the passage, as many of you know, which has been my family's compass, all my family members, um, and now my kids too, little do they know, a passage that's give us assurance of guidance for trust falls. One that was pounded into me from my dad and my mom, which is a good thing. Here I am doing, passing on my own kids. My, Minnie and I could get in trouble. She got in trouble more than I did. But, <laughs> but when we got in trouble, you know, we have all these consequences. It's always P.S., Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Anyways, um, I'm going to hit on that more in a second. But I want to go to Proverbs 3 for you. I'm going to be hitting a few verses. You'll see in your notes. You can go back later and look more of them up if I don't ink plant in them too long. But I want to start with verse 1. It says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. And then you'll find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. And here's the life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I love 7 and 8 as well. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then, verse 8, last verse, then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Like with the clock and the compass, trust fills gaps. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, year by year, it's the gap between what we expect God to do and what he's actually doing. And if we don't trust God with all, we eventually won't trust him at all. 
And I love just taking the word trust for a moment. It can be a noun or it can be a verb. And so let me just give you some definitions. As a noun, trust means assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. As a verb, it means to rely on the truthfulness or accuracy, to believe, to commit, uh, or place in one's care, to place in one's care, to place confidence in something or someone. Trust in verse 5 means to be confident, to be sure. Jesus is our refuge, right? He is our strength. A trust fall, literally, I was going to have people stand up and do it, and it's like, takes too much time. I'll just show you a great video on it. But falling back with confidence, being assured that faith and trust is connected, that Jesus is there for us, no matter what. And it reminded me, of my coach's chair. Uh, this is my coach's chair I've had for many years. I couldn't get rid of it. Um, and it's uh, carried everywhere. And I'll be coaching, McKenna and I are going to coach Sienna, all right, um, coming up next year. So I know that for a fact, and I'll be pulling this out. But it reminded me of the chair, the three-legged chair here. It's like a stool where I would sit. This is, this is me a lot of times in games. But, um, you know, it, it reminds me of these three key concepts when you think of this is the Bible obviously being one, the key that holds them all together, word of God and just Jesus and having a personal relationship with him, but also wise people. Having wise people, uh, godly people, people who are anchored in what you're anchored in to give you advice and thoughts is so important for guidance scripture talks about. And then the Holy Spirit, because when Jesus left, he left his Holy Spirit to guide us and, and seeking that, um, I, I see that as, as three strong, secure supports, right? That we could spend a whole three-week series on and a sermon on each of them. Clock and compass moments and paths in our life. So I want to share just a little bit of my journey and path with trusting the clock and the compass and hope this might help a little bit just as you kind of hear my heart a little bit this morning. 39 years ago, in a VW bus, um, no joke, my dad had just spoke, I was a pastor's kid, he just spoke at a church, the Sunday school teacher talked about heaven and hell, and I did not want to go to hell, and when I got in this VW bus, I was sitting in the back, uh, we were going to lunch, I asked my parents, hey, uh, how do I get to heaven? And you can imagine, <laughs> I pulled to the side, <laughs> the seat swiveled back, literally, and I'm in the back, they're both looking at me going, what, what, what do I do? And they led me in a prayer. Um, they continued to instill, no, you know, P.S., Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and they pounded it in our heads for a long time. Youth group, I went to a youth group. I actually went to Temple Baptist Youth Group. It's now called Grace Point. A few little pictures here that kind of sum this part of it up. Um, Hume Lake, top right. I, my parents met there, by the way, so Hume Lake is an amazing experience. I remember chapel moments, standing up, rededicating my life to Jesus, going back and trying to do it different, right? Um, I, I rebelled like pastor's kids do for a while, but um, Hume Lake was critical in that journey for me. Um, MAA, 
Missionary Athletes International, bottom left, that was with the seahorses where we would travel, do mission trips, go play soccer, and then give our testimonies and stories and use that as a bridge. I had amazing molding moments on that path. I played at Sac State. My wife and I met there. She was a gymnast. I was a soccer player. But Sac State, um, if it wasn't for a couple knee surgeries that, you know, when you're on a path thinking everything is going to be perfect, I would not have gotten involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship because I had to injury a redshirt my first year, and there's a whole story behind that um, and kind of where my wife and I ended up actually really officially um, growing in our relationship. Um, I worked at Sac State. I loved children a lot. I was at the Children's Development Center back in the day when they had pagers. A teacher or professor would page me and say, Patrick can't go down for his nap. Can you walk over and put him down for us? Because I had attachment to a few. I, just, I even had one of the kids in my wedding. It was so cool. And I worked at a group home for emotionally disturbed adolescents, level 14. Uh, really difficult. So that molded me in my path. Um, did some work for child protective services, volunteering, supervised visits, and worked on a suicide prevention hotline, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. All of that just on this path of where am I growing and God shaping me in things. Um, I remember um, the soccer field um, because I remember it well. It, because I met uh, Katrina, if you go to the next slide, Rob, on that one, thank you. I met uh, Katrina, my beautiful bride, and uh, I met her on the soccer field. I just want to say this. I was end of a game. We just, I have to say this because we just played Stanford. We knocked them out of the playoffs. It was the most amazing. And I freaking played one of the best games, but got hit in the jaw. And it, was, it was a battle. But it was the best feeling. But I remember holding my water bottle up like this and looking over, and there's my wife. I knew she was going to be my wife. She didn't know that. But our roommates were coaches, teammates set us up and uh, met her on the soccer field, which is pretty cool. Um, she's been my best friend from 26 years. She's the most transparent, authentic, compassionate person I know. She truly is my best friend. And I always tell her she makes a better counselor than I do. Um, she really is. Um, God bless us with Trevor and McKenna. And, uh, and then, then keep Go back just a bit, 1994, actually up a little bit, sorry. Uh, Western, we had kids later, people, okay? So if you're looking at a timeline, um, we, we fit the timeline. But I went to Western Seminary. I remember at Sac State, they had a, the new program, I, Carl's Jr. and Sunrise Boulevard at the time. I met with the Western Seminary uh, intake people, and they, they talked about this opportunity to go get become a marriage and family therapist. That's always been my desire on this path is to do that. I, I've always wanted to, in fact, my dad and I were going to go into practice together. That was the ultimate goal down the line. He passed in 2007. Um, and I get this call. My dad says, hey, there's a, there's a pastor in Lodi who really needs your counseling services. Uh, you know, there's an inappropriate thing happened in their youth ministry. Can you come counsel their kids? Long story short, I needed hours. I, yeah, I'll do that. So for four years, I ended up being their youth director and counseling their kids and going, wow, this ministry thing at church is kind of cool too. And uh, I'll never forget 1998, Tim and I met at El Rodeo. Um, so the Methodist church is up there. You got Horizon old school building there, John and Diane Trotter when we merged. But we were at El Rodeo, Tim and I, and when he kind of talked about the position here, um, first youth pastor that they were going to hire, and long story short, I've been here 20 uh, 24 years. As I got hired on here, because of my passion towards counseling and church, I remember sitting with them going, guys, 
I got 3,000 hours I got to get to get licensed, and I got to be able to do both. Can we work this out? And they, it, they were, they've been so generous in allowing hours and figuring this and doing that, and I've been able to kind of, was able to do that um, as I continued to serve Horizon. Um, as many of you know, uh, my dad passed in 2007. Um, he, he passed up top left. He literally, that was, trust the Lord with all your heart, but that was the last ride for him. Um, my mom has this in the middle of his hat that he wore, um, an M360. He passed on M360, um, and there's a lot of great stories behind this. It sucks that he passed, but legacies he's left. But I just wanted to show you the note that he left my mom that she cherishes now before he left on M360. Um, as you can see, if you could read it, you, you know, I love you, you're the best. I'll call you when I get can every day. Please know I'm praying. I hope mom, it was my mom's mom at the time, responds incredibly. Don't worry, we're in God's hands. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Imagine that. Little do you know the notes you leave and the texts you have, how they can be cherished. Um, well, my dad was instrumental with Jake and Allie at 180 Counseling. I mean, I mean, he was amazing for them and where they're at. You'd have to talk to them to get the answers. He hated supervising. He didn't want to supervise. Um, and I didn't want to at the time either, but I started supervising Allie early on as a supervisor. She's getting her license. Um, they dedicated uh, the Dan Brown House there in Lodi. Um, it's called the Dan Brown House. Dedication and celebration it was just a little you know, flyer on that. Pretty cool. You can see my dad's picture as you walk into that house, and they've really honored him so well. Um, I remember a shift that took place for me in mental health. Ken alluded to it, and Cindy on M360 when we started supporting American Foundation of Suicide Prevention and teenagers. And so, some more pictures just with 180 and the mental health and how they serve many families in that and a lot of suicides, just a lot of things around that. And something shifted for me. I was more passionate about the mental health side and really trying to help people in those moments. And so the last two years have kind of brought some clock compass trusting moments in my life. Um, I consulted with mentors. Uh, I, I call it, I received some God winks, you know what I mean? God winks in moments of just, you know what, or his Holy Spirit just guiding me and confirming things for me. Um, that Larry Sterling always talks about divine appointments, that you got to go out, pray for them, they'll come. In a counseling setting, they come to you. And it dawned on me once how incredible that is of those opportunities to help people. Um, you know the SHAPE series? I've always liked the SHAPE series, spiritual gifts, heartbeat, abilities, personality, experiences. That has always been helpful for me in my journey, always looking on what, where's my SHAPE? How has God wired me? Where do I need to be? Um, Gold High School approached me, I don't know, a couple years early into the, the COVID. Hey, can you come counsel our kids? We're desperate. We have COVID money, all this stuff. I, I can't. I can't, but I'll... I'll send you over to 180. Maybe they can contract like they do all the Lodi schools. Long story short, um, God's timing, right? Um, they hire first time ever a full-time staff, which is Carmen there in, Lo in, in Galt. And now we have another person hired. Galt 
Liberty Ranch, Estrellita, and my brother, Josh, is coming in a few hours to do drug and alcohol counseling. I mean, they're like, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And we're like, whoa. And then now I help supervise here uh, in town. It's been amazing to see the timing of that. And so as God has brought me here, um, timing might have been a little sooner than I would have, but I think God's timing's perfect, isn't it? And so just to be clear, what I'll be doing and where I've, uh, God has called me to is um, I'm going to be pursuing, continuing to work on my private practice, which isn't hard to, to fill spots right now, about 25 to 27 clients a week. And uh, 180 has hired me to um, be uh, for 15 hours, some people thought I was going for 15 hours to continue doing what I'm doing with supervision, but to come alongside and do some other things. Bottom left, that's kind of the 180 counseling team. So you'll get to see some of the new people I'll be hanging with, counselors, associates, and just uh, pretty awesome to see that team and, and what we'll be doing. And everybody has different gifting. There's more added to that team, even from this picture. And then 180 Counseling Center, which you don't know, they just leased a new building, um, and here it is. It's right next to Perfect Balance, which, of course, Jackie's been praying for something to happen, too. Yeah, so how God's timing of everything and how we're going to partner. Um, I'll get to wave to Kayla uh, Stevenson. She's going to bring me Micah's cold brew, right? Is it once? Well, every Monday. Anyways, um, top right will be my office, and uh, as part of that, I'll be helping them, and so that's kind of a little taste of where I'm going to be and hoping to continue to just uh, um, really my passion, not only with counseling and mental health, but helping couples and marriages and parents. It's like that heartbeat for me of, of being able to come alongside and just training up more therapists. We need, I can see lay counsel. I see so many, the sky's the limit of just where I can just, I, I was being spread thin in so many different areas. I just want to focus on where I feel God calling me the most. Some scripture I'm just going to run through quickly. Psalm 139, if you made all my delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Love Romans 10, another VIP verse. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, John, uh, Jeff alluded to this a few weeks. I am the way. I am the compass and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Great book on that if you want to go deeper on grace. It's called The Naked Gospel. I know it's Jeff, Jeff would tell you it's one of his number one books. It's a great book about grace. Joshua 1.8, keep this book of law. 
compass, right? Always on your lips, meditating on day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Um, Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience, I love the thens, right? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. That's called cognitive behavioral therapy, by the way. I'm drawn to Matthew 14 where Jesus and Peter walk on water, right? You see that passage, it's just somewhere, then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. He was having this trust walk, right, on water. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus promises to be there to rescue us no matter what, right? In those moments, Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed at him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why do you doubt me? And how easy we take our eyes off of Jesus. And when we do, trust falls are going to be real tough. Uh, Micah 6, 8, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's a tattoo right there, I think. Ephesians 4, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, 29. In our Bible, men's study, we call it 429 principle, right? Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, Anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. That's just like everything, right? <laughs> and then 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, we always just rattle through this at a wedding, but it's designed not just for a wedding. I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, I have, I'm nothing. If I give everything to the poor, right, just do it all, but do not have love, I gain nothing. If I know every scripture in the Bible, I could quote it inside and out. Oh, and I attend church regularly, and I'm in a life group, and I post things that are about God, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. 
Love is patient. It's kind. It's not, it does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices when truth wins out. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Um, and now the three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We can't do this without Jesus, right? We cannot do this without that. We're imperfect, but that's the direction we want to go. It's putting love into practice. It's serving. We see that throughout the Bible. It's serving those in need spiritually, physically, emotionally, right? That's, that should be our heartbeat, which we've always tried to push in that drumbeat. Matthew 22, one of them, an expert of religious law, tried to trap Jesus with the question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? They knew it well. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Galatians 2. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Right? Because it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. As I heard uh, one person mention in a podcast I was listening to, which resonated with me, it says, if the fruits of the Spirit produced by the Holy Spirit are present in any difficult conversation or relationship, think about it. Think where you see differently or whatever it is. It could even be with your spouse, right? Um, Two people can truly agree to disagree, leaving a conversation with peace, love, and joy, even if they see differently, because of patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control were activated. It's really helped change my lens in some conversations that can be difficult. So type A personalities are looking at their watch. It's all good. It's all good. I'm a little type A. I can be triple A sometimes, but. But I couldn't leave you, at least for last message on the staff, without an acronym, right? Um, this kind of sums up trust. Um, let me just throw out a couple words for you. Uh, trusting the clock and the compass, right? Um, T, transformed. I think of that we've done a message before on transformers where you're just kind of having fun with it, just being, I think we're always constantly being transformed as scripture talks about through this path and seasons that we're on. The word transform in the Greek, um, metamorpho, I'm probably not saying that right, means to change into another form. It's allowing ourselves to be changed because when we're transformed, it's not something we can do ourselves. What is the work of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in us, that we can be used to be activated in our lives. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then, here's the then again, then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The R, relationships, right? Sunday school answer, relationship. 
right? Um, having the mind of Christ, being like Jesus. Remember the old saying, what would Jesus do? It's, it's being one in doubt, wait, what would Jesus do? Can it be helpful? It could be a compass. It could be a guide for difficult situations. Um, also, not just with Jesus, but with people we're called to go and make disciples, right? It's, it's, it's like you can't have all these rules without a relationship. That's what they talk about in parenting. And so it's interesting, I, Beckett Cook, Danish, if you came back for the evening time last week, and Danish took him to the airport and had some more dialogue, it's interesting that something that drew my attention that Danish was mentioning that Beckett Cook mentioned is that his sister-in-law kept a relationship with him, met with him for years, had conversations without being judgmental, loving him where he's at, praying over him, but doing it in love and how important that unconditional love was for him, even though they saw very, very differently. A genuine relationship creates space for more difficult conversations. So important as we're called to build relationships. E is understand. I mean, Matthew 6, right? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and then all these things will be given upon you and added upon you. And so seek to understand, not demand. I like that. I always like that phrase. Seeking to understand the life and heartbeat of Jesus as we grow and then with others in our life. Um, the S, be a servant. And by the way, I failed these many times, lots of times, but I just want to put this as my compass, as my guide, is be a servant. Jesus showed what being, in fact, the disciples didn't get it. So that's when they're customary to wash feet that he says, let me show you what I mean, guys. And when in doubt, we serve, and he started to wash his disciples' feet. They still didn't really get it, but... That's another sermon, right? Um, being a servant. And then timing is the T. God's will on earth as it is in heaven, it's his timing. He is sovereign. He's all powerful and he's in control. And you just trust that, right? You trust his timing. It's trusting that clock and compass, right? It's, it's saying, okay, it's like the second part of that video. I'm going to fall back. And, you know, it's one thing to look back and see. It's another thing to look back and, whoa, whoa, wait, you're there? I hear your voice, but wait. Of that true ultimate trust fall. I love verse 8. The King James Version in verse 8 of Proverbs 3, I just, it says, health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And the navel means umbilical cord. I resonated with that. It do, if it doesn't fu function properly, we know, then a baby won't get adequate food and oxygen. What a great analogy, which brings me to the golden hour, which many of us have heard the golden hour. It's used in a variety of settings, which might be considered more sad settings, but it's also used in birth, which wasn't the case when my kids were born. It's a magical time of bonding for mom and baby. After nine months of waiting, a new mother gets her first chance to hold her baby in her arms. And so research now is showing what happens during the first 60 minutes of a baby's life can maximize the bonding between mother and child so that uninterrupted contact between mother and baby during the golden hour, they call it, is critical to the child's growth and development. 
It, it talks about in the past, bonding with the baby often took a back seat, right, to the medical procedures. New moms would watch babies getting cleaned and checking monitor, checking for vi- all everything, and, you know, and they couldn't really do much except, ah, everything okay? Do I hear a cry? And all the things in that process. So healthcare providers now know that immediate skin-to-skin contact is the best way for a newborn to bond. American Association of Pediatricians, literally, I'll read it to you, recommends the following guidelines. Healthy newborns should be placed skin-to-skin contact with mother until the first round of breastfeeding is established. The medical caregivers can conduct the first physical assessment of the baby while it is on the mother's chest. Conventional conventional procedures such as weighing, measuring, bathing, injections, or blood tests should be wait until after the first feeding. Baby and mother should remain together throughout the recovery period. And I talked to a nurse about this, just about that procedure and how things play out, and it's absolutely true. And what they found is this golden hour results in decreased stress levels in a mom and her newborn and improved secure bonding that takes place. I love the analogy because I take it right to Jesus. This encounter we have with Jesus when we trust in him for the first time, that personal relationship, that secure and safe bond, that refuge, he's our strength, the one we can trust with everything, the ultimate powerful moment in his arms. Again, the ultimate trust fall. And then we have many along the way. And we're reminded of the one we took, right? And the Holy Spirit guiding us in that. And I personally don't want to miss what the second half of ministry looks like for me. Um, I know it talks about go and make disciples. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are divine appointments and divine moments. I want to create, I don't, I don't want to miss those moments. I get the opportunity, I know I'll, be back in a few weeks to baptize Bobby and some others that it's just been, I, I, I love that part of things. I love being part of someone's walk. And I pray he keeps me and you in the moment that we can be present when there's doubt or whatever's coming along that when in doubt, okay, Lord Jesus, audience of one, what, 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 ah. Your Holy Spirit, confirm, speak to me with the wise people maybe I'm talking to, your word of God, and, and your, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust it. Um, I don't know about you, but one day, it's on my dad's tombstone, which I was visiting his graveside not that long ago, and it said, I want it well done, good and faithful servant. We all want to hear that. And I think for me, second half of ministry, I see a need and that's where I need to be. And I hope to be back standing, helping, speaking on topics or whatever and helping the big C church, helping others in any way I can and knowing the relationship here is awesome and continues to be and I'll be able to, you know, like Tim might put me at fourth string, maybe third string, I don't know, but he'll get me back sometime. Um, I want to draw you just to a song here. I I was really drawn to these words. Are we good to go on this song, Micah? No. All right. Due to copyright stuff, we can't. So we'll we'll put it on the website, but it's it's called Keep Me in the Moment. And uh, you could could check it out, and we'll have the link for you. But it drew me to this 
and some of you who are in recovery in any way, shape, or form, um, you're going to like this. You're going to see it. You're going to go, wow. But people always think of it in recovery terms. But I want you to really just think of these words as I read them. It's the serenity prayer. And you'll see it on the screen. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. That's Proverbs 3. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships is the pathway to peace. Taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if, keyword if, just like the then, if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. It's not about happy, reasonably happy. I love how they had that in there. It's, it's contentment. It's having a peace, right? That passes all understanding. Like, I don't get all this, but I'm going to trust and I have a peace in the midst of it. He's our Lord now and our Savior later. It's a double whammy. Trusting the clock and the compass. Now, I, don't, I haven't used this that much, but I got to use it today too. I'm going to throw an acronym in. Um, Many years ago, and I know I have Michelle Peterson in the house today, which is really good to see a few of my old school when I first was in youth ministry here. Um, they probably remember me annoying the you-know-what out of them with this word. Yakadu. Now, now, people, Tim and I joke around like it's a made-up word. Well, whatever, but when Jared came on staff, he's like, I remember at Choir of the Fire Conference them saying Yakadu. So I'm like, thank you, Mr. Hebrew scholar, because um, I was told it was Hebrew. And it, but I do know when they talked about this word, joy for life. It's on my license plate. And it really always resonates with me that when you have Jesus and you trust fall into his arms, and you have that secure bond, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. And he's going to be there for us no matter what comes your way. And yaka do. You know what I mean? Joy for life, yaka do. Uh, and so, uh, as I close today, uh, will you bow with me, if you, if you will, or if you choose to? If you're here this morning and or you're watching us online even, um, and you're, you're ready to do a, a trust fall into Jesus' arms, you're struggling in some areas, there's things happening for you right now, you're not quite sure where you stand with him. You don't even know what it would look like, God forbid something happens to you on the way home today. And if that's you today and you're like, I, by raising my hand, I'm just saying I'm trusting his fall right now. Will you just raise your hand? Because I wouldn't want you to leave here. And as you raise your hand, you're just raising it to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you with all I got right now. And for some of you, it might be the first fall you're making, and you're saying, Lord, I'm confessing with my mouth and my heart right now with you. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I'm, I'm coming to you. Don't worry about all the feelings that come with that. Just trust it. And for others, put their hand up just saying, I need help in that area. Amen. God, we pray, Lord, for those we're trusting in you right now that they will feel your presence, your Holy Spirit will just come around them and they'll know, they'll feel your love, that secure attachment, that bond that only we can find in you, that encounter, that intimacy. Lord, even at 12 when I said all the right stuff, I didn't understand everything, but you transformed and you moved 
and you did some things with relationships in my life, Lord, of just trusting the process and all the things I've had to go through to be where I'm at, and we're not done yet. And so, Lord, thank you for what that looks like and what you're going to continue to do in and through those who follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And if you.